A reading from Samuel. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child. Then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. The word of the Lord. This reading is in place of a psalm. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exults in the Lord, my strength is exalted in my God. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken but the feeble gird on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust 
he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princess and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversaries, shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Reading from Hebrews. Every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies for us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil, from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more to see the day approaching. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. And then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? And then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The Gospel of the Lord. asked him privately, tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? And then Jesus began to say to them, beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. 
There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. I'm going to warn you this might be a bad idea. <laughs> um, and you can let me know after the service. This is the first time I've ever done this and maybe the last. And sorry, Johnny and Meredith, you've already heard this. But I'm going to share with you a story that I hope will actually bring all of the readings into a little bit more perspective as we get ready for our week. This is a story called Molly's Pilgrim. And I'll try to rotate so you can see the pictures. I didn't like the school in Winter Hill. In Winter Hill, they laughed at me. Elizabeth laughed most of all. I never raised my hand to answer a question, but when Miss Stickley called on me, I had to say something. My English wasn't perfect yet, so Elizabeth always giggled at whatever I said. Miss Stickley would stare at her, and then she'd be quiet, but later in the schoolyard she'd say, You talk funny, Molly. You look funny, Molly. And then she'd sing a song. Jolly Molly, your eyes are awfully small. Jolly Molly, your nose is awfully tall. Hilda and Kitty would sing the song too, and sometimes even Faye and Emma. They all admired Elizabeth. She brought peppermint sticks to school and handed them out to all her friends at recess. And one day, Elizabeth and Hilda followed me halfway home, singing that terrible song. Jolly Molly, your eyes are awfully small. Jolly Molly, your nose is awfully tall. I started to run. When I got to our apartment, I burst into tears. It was all right. I could cry in front of my mother. She put her arm around me. I leaned my head against her chest. She felt like a big, soft cushion. Shonkite, what's the matter? she asked. My mother didn't speak much English. She talked to me in Yiddish. Mama, let's go back to New York City, I said. In this third grade, there aren't any other Jewish children. I don't talk like the other girls. They make fun of me. I hate going to school. Oh, Michaela, Mama said, we can't go back to New York City. In New York, Papa had to work in factory. We had to live in poor tenement house. Here in Winter Hill, Papa has good job in Mr. Brodsky's store downstairs, and Mr. Brodsky even lets us live in nice apartment. Well, then let's go back to Gora Duke, I suggested. We only came to this country last winter. I bet we could still get our old house back. If the Cossacks haven't burned it down, Mama snapped. They burned the synagogue. Who knows, one day they would have burned us. May they grow like onions with their heads in the ground. I had known all along we couldn't go back to Russia. In Gora Duke, Jewish girls don't get to go to school at all. Mama went on. They have to grow up ignorant like donkeys. I'll go to your school. I'll talk to teacher. She'll make those paskunyaks stop teasing you. Uh, no, Mama, no. I interrupted quickly. You don't have to do that. 
I didn't want Miss Stickley or Elizabeth to see Mama. She didn't talk like the other mothers. She hardly talked English at all. She didn't look like them either. Uh, it'll be all right, I said. I'll talk to Miss Stickley myself. But of course I didn't. I dragged myself back to that school day after day. Nothing changed, but I didn't say another word about it to Mama. Then one day in November, during reading, Miss Stickley said, Open your books to page 132. It was a new story. I liked it when we started a new story. You may begin, Molly, Miss Stickley said. I looked at the title. The first... The first... I shook my head. Miss Stickley, I said, I don't know that word. It's a hard word, Molly, Miss Stickley said, especially if you haven't seen it before. Who can tell Molly what that word is? Several hands shot up. Miss Stickley called on Elizabeth. Thanksgiving, she announced, tossing her long black corkscrew curls. I thought everyone knew that. Thanksgiving, I repeated. Thanksgiving? What's Thanksgiving? Elizabeth snorted. <laughs> You don't even know about Thanksgiving. I guess you people don't celebrate American holidays. Miss Stickley ignored Elizabeth. The story will explain the word, Molly, she said to me. Go ahead, start reading. I read three sentences. I didn't stumble over any more words. And then Miss Stickley told Arthur to read. We took turns. It was a good story. It was about pilgrims and how they started the holiday of Thanksgiving. Well, I'd never heard of pilgrims before. Now, children, Miss Stickley said, when the reading lesson was over, I'm tired of decorating the room with paper turkeys and paper pumpkins every Thanksgiving. I thought it would be fun to do something different this year. She pointed to the sand table at the back of the room. It had stood empty since September. We'll make a model of the pilgrim village at Plymouth, Massachusetts, celebrating the first Thanksgiving. She sounded excited. We'll make the houses in the church here in school, but I want you to make the people at home. You can make dolls out of clothespins. The boys can make Native Americans, and the girls can make pilgrims. Her eyes moved from one face to the other. If you sit in row one, two, or three, make a woman. If you sit in row four, five, or six, make a man. I sat in row two. I had to make a pilgrim woman. Bring your dolls tomorrow, Miss Stickley said. Then I'll show you how to make houses out of cardboard. When I got home, Mama said to me, just like always, Nu Shankite, do you have any homework? Well, I need a clothespin, I said. Clothespin? What kind of homework is clothespin? I have to make a doll out of it, a pilgrim doll, Mama frowned. Nu, Makelo, what is pilgrim? I searched for the words to explain pilgrim to Mama. Uh, Pilgrims came to this country from the other side, I said. Like us, Mama said. That was true. They came here for religious freedom, I added. They came here so they could worship God as they pleased. Mama's eyes lit up. She seemed to understand. Do you have any more homework, she asked. Uh, yes, I said, I have ten arithmetic problems. They're hard. Do them, she said. And then go on to play. I make doll for you. I make it tonight. It will be ready for you in the morning. Uh, just make sure it's a girl doll, I said. Naturally, Mama replied. Who ever heard of boy doll? I didn't bother to explain. 
The next morning when I sat down at the table for breakfast, the doll was at my place. Maybe she'd started out as a clothespin, but you'd never have known it to look at her. Mama had covered the clothespin with cloth and stuffing. She'd made hair out of dark brown yarn, and she'd embroidered eyes, a nose, and a mouth on the face. She had dressed the doll in a long, full red skirt, tiny black felt boots, and a bright yellow high-necked blouse. She had covered the yarn with hair, sorry, the yarn hair with a yellow kerchief embroidered with red flowers. She's gorgeous, Mama, I managed to murmur. Mama smiled, satisfied. But Mama, I added slowly, she doesn't look like the pilgrim woman in the picture in my reading book. No, Mama said. She looks like you in that photograph you have that was taken when you were a girl. Mama's smile turned into a laugh. Of course, I did that on purpose. You did, Mama, why? What is pilgrim, Shankite? Mama asked. Pilgrim is someone who came here from other side to find freedom. That's me, Molly, I am pilgrim. I was sure there was something wrong with what Mama was saying. She was not the kind of pilgrim Miss Stickley or the reading book had been talking about. But it was too late to make another doll now. All I could do was take the only one I had to school with me. Most of the dolls were out on the desks. I had carried mine in a little paper bag. I'd put mine inside my desk without even taking it out of the bag. The bell hadn't rung yet. Elizabeth and Hilda were walking up and down the aisles, pointing to the dolls and whispering. When they came to my desk, Elizabeth said in a low voice, Miss Stickley's going to be mad at you, jolly Molly. She doesn't like people who don't do their homework. I did it, I muttered. Well then, let's see it. I shook my head. You didn't do it, Elizabeth taunted. You didn't, you didn't. I opened the desk and took out the paper bag. I closed the desk and set the bag on top. Slowly, I pulled out the doll. Oh, my goodness, Elizabeth sighed. How can anyone be as dumb as you, Jolly Molly? That's not a pilgrim. Miss Stickley is going to be really mad at you. Miss Stickley is going to get you this time. My face felt hot as fire. I looked down at my desktop. The bell rang. Elizabeth and Hilda rushed to their seats. I shoved the doll into my desk. After morning exercises, Miss Stickley began to walk around the room just as Elizabeth had. She looked at each one of the dolls. Why, Michael, what a magnificent headdress. Where did you find so many feathers? Sally, she's lovely, such an interesting face. Such beautiful gray silk, Elizabeth. Yours is a very rich pilgrim. I think she's the best so far, Elizabeth said. Well. She is very good, Miss Stickley allowed. Then Miss Stickley came to me. Without looking up, I pulled my doll out of the desk. I heard Elizabeth laugh out loud. My goodness, Molly, she cried, that's not a pilgrim. That's some Russian or Polish person. What does a person like that have to do with pilgrims? She's very beautiful, Miss Stickley said. Perhaps Molly just didn't understand. I looked up at Miss Stickley. Mama said, I began. Elizabeth giggled again. Miss Stickley put her hand on my shoulder. Tell me. Tell me what your mama said, Molly. 
This doll is dressed like Mama, I explained slowly. Mama came to America for religious freedom, too. Mama said she's a pilgrim. Elizabeth hooted. She wasn't the only one. Mystically marched up to the front of the room. She turned and faced the class. Listen to me, Elizabeth, she said in a loud voice. Listen to me, all of you. Molly's mother is a pilgrim. She's a modern pilgrim. She came here just like the pilgrims long ago so she could worship God in her own way in peace and freedom. Mystically stared at Elizabeth. Elizabeth, do you know where the pilgrims got their idea for Thanksgiving? Well, they just thought it up mystically, Elizabeth said. No, Elizabeth mystically replied, they read it in the Bible about the Jewish harvest holiday of tabernacles. Well, I knew that holiday. We called it Sukkot. Mystically was still talking. The pilgrims got the idea from Thanksgiving from Jews like Molly and her mama. She marched down the aisle to my desk again. May I have your doll for a while, Molly? Sure, I said. I'm going to put this beautiful doll on my desk, Miss Stickley announced, where everyone can see it all the time. It will remind us all that pilgrims are still coming to America. She smiled at me. I'd like to meet your mama, Molly. Please ask her to come to see me one day after school. Your doll is the most beautiful, Molly, Emma said. Emma sat next to me. Your doll is the most beautiful of all. I nodded. Yes. I said, I know. I decided if Miss Stickley actually invited her, it was all right for Mama to come to school. I decided something else, too. I decided it takes all kinds of pilgrims to make a Thanksgiving. You know, as we approach this week, there's this lovely American myth. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but the truth of it is pretty powerful. That once upon a time, some people who really weren't accepted in their home country of England called the Puritans came here not so they could have religious toleration, but so they could do church their own way. And those people were about to starve when their natural pagan enemies saved them. <laughs> we celebrate that every week. We remember those pagan enemies, Squanto, <laughs> and his offering of how to plant corn with a fish, and of sitting down with people we didn't even trust who had given life. It's a fine story, isn't it? A fine story. Our readings today, sadly, are about bullies. The first story. A woman who's bullied, as women are today, for how many children she can have or can't have. Bullied. We get this other story about the temple the eighth wonder of the world, by the way. We talked about that last week, this huge building, and the disciples are in awe of the building. And, you know, I don't think Jesus was anti-temple as relating to God. I think Jesus was anti-temple as agent and instrument of oppression. Maybe it's helpful to know if you've been to St. Peter's, arguably one of the most beautiful churches in the world, was built by selling indulgences, was built by stealing from people, it's a reminder, I think, to us that beauty is not there just to be worshipped. Beauty is there to lead us into worship. Beauty is meant to lead us into awe and wonder so that we can make room for other people. People like Hannah, 
people like Molly and her mother. My prayer for the week for us. My prayer for Thanksgiving. If that gratitude will cultivate awe and wonder and hospitality, both within your family, within our country, and in the world, and in that way, God will actually be worshipped.